I mean, yes, I'd love to be on the New York Times list. Yes, I'd love to win a Christie Award. But the real reason that I write is to touch readers. And when I've gotten emails from readers saying, you know, your story helped me through a really tough time in my life, then I've succeeded. And quite honestly, those emails, those letters are worth more than a royalty check or a position on the New York Times list. We'll talk about this and much more today. Welcome to a Writer's Day podcast. Hello, everyone. My name is Ruth Douthit, and welcome to a Writer's Day podcast. I'm so glad you're here. March 2023. Wow, I cannot believe spring is already here, and we're in the third month of the new year. I have some big news about some projects coming up, including the release of my new children's picture book, Peter and the Dragon Forest, which released on March 7th. It's the perfect book for aspiring princes and princesses who want to prove themselves in valor. And this book, Peter and the Dragon Forest, has been 34 years in the making. That's right. 34 years ago, I thought of this story that eventually became the Dragon Forest and that trilogy. But I always had it in the back of my mind to do a children's picture book about Prince Peter. What's the book about? Well, Prince Peter dreams of being a real prince, not just a boy prince with a wooden sword. He's surrounded by people who tell him what a real prince should be. Brave, strong, and able to slay dragons. So one day he decides to enter the dangerous dragon forest to slay the fiercest dragon that ever lived. And that'll prove he's a real prince, right? But once inside the dragon forest, Peter discovers that things aren't what he thought they'd be. And the dragon isn't this terrifying creature he'd been warned about, but instead, the dragon protects the land, and the forest contains secrets and mysteries that he never knew existed. So instead of slaying dragons, now it's up to Peter to save the forest and his father's kingdom. Peter learns that being a real prince involves more than just slaying a dragon and having a sword and a shield. No, it involves being kind and compassionate too. With these vivid illustrations completed by myself and my husband, Peter and the Dragon Forest is a must read for all aspiring princes and princesses. So look for it today on Amazon, Peter and the Dragon Forest. And join my Facebook group called of dragons, dreams, and faraway places to participate in the live Facebook event book launch party for Peter and the Dragon Forest set for March 30th. At this live event, we'll have authors of children's books talking about how they develop their projects and they'll be giving away their books. I'll be giving away a copy of Peter and the Dragon Forest and I'll be creating dragon art there during the book launch party to give away to you, one of the attendees. We'll also hear from acclaimed book cover designer, Kirk DuPonce, who has created more than 1,000 book covers, including The Wonderland Trials, Realm Makers, Dust and Shadow, and many, many more. 
take a look at his work at his website at Dog-Eared Designs. Kirk DuPont will be joining us to show us how he creates book covers and dragons. So mark that on your calendar. The Peter and the Dragon Force live book launch event at my Facebook group of Dragons, Dreams, and Faraway Places on March 30th. Sign up for my newsletter over at artbyruth.com and you will find out more information about this live Facebook event, my upcoming book projects, writing tips, and this month I'll be giving away a fantasy book to celebrate my Peter and the Dragon Forest fantasy release. Yes, a lot of exciting things are happening in March, so you don't want to miss out. Sign up for my newsletter today at artbyruth.com. She is the best-selling author of several historical and contemporary romance series, usually set in the beautiful Texas Hill Country. And her books have been finalists for the ACFW Carol Awards, the Holt Medallion, and the Booksellers Best. Amanda Cabot talks with us today about her newest release, After the Shadows. And I'm thrilled to have her with me again as she visits with us to talk about her writing process, her new books, and more. So you know the drill. Grab your favorite beverage, a comfortable chair, kick back and relax as we listen to Amanda Cabot talk about her new book. Hi, everyone. Welcome to a Writer's Day podcast. My name is Ruth Douthit, and I'm so glad to have you here today because we are going to be visiting again with the multi-published, best-selling author, Amanda Cabot. Welcome, Amanda. Oh, Ruth, thank you so much for inviting me to be here. I am delighted. Of course. I always enjoy talking with you about your books. What, Just in case, though, why don't you tell my listeners a little bit about yourself for maybe the three people out there who don't know who you are? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'm Amanda Cabot, and I write romance. Uh, the majority of my books are historical romances, uh, and the majority of those are set in the Texas Hill Country. I have written some contemporaries, but quite honestly, my heart is in the 19th century. That could be because a friend tells me I was born in the wrong century, but no. let's not go there. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, the Texas Hill Country, the last time we chatted about that a little bit because I have family out there. And what draws you, though, to that area? Well, it's beautiful, mm -hmm. and it has a lot of history behind it. I mean, when you think about it, it was founded by primarily German immigrants, but then there were immigrants from other countries. And of course, you have the Hispanic um, connection, because Texas was at one point part of Mexico, part of Spain. So there's, as I said, there's a lot of history. And when you add that to a really beautiful area, it, for me, it just is a great place to set books. Mm, I agree. It's, it's it, it helps the reader, too, when they are visualizing this land that has a rich history to it. Mm, that's great. Now, your new book, though, After the Shadows, why don't you tell us a little bit about this book and your inspiration for it? 
Oh, well, I am so thrilled about After the Shadows. First of all, it has an incredibly beautiful cover. Mm -hmm. I can't take any credit for that, but I am just thrilled by it. This is the first book in a new series. Um, The series is called Secrets of Sweetwater Crossing, with Sweetwater Crossing being the name of the town. And there are a lot of secrets, uh, one of which is about this house that's on the cover. Uh, It was built by a man prior to the war between the states. And the house, if you've seen the cover, is not at all what you would expect from the Texas Hill Country. It's more something that you would see in a southern plantation. And there's a reason for that. Clive Finley, the man who built this house, was from Alabama. And he wanted to move to Texas with his fiancée. But her father was a plantation owner. And he said, no, son, you can't do that unless you can build, give her a house comparable to what she's used to living in. Well, Clive wanted to marry her, wanted to live in Texas. So what does he do? He moves to Sweetwater Crossing and he builds this house that rivals the one that she grew up in. But he leaves abruptly without telling anyone. This is before 20 years, more than 20 years before the book starts. And everyone thinks that he was killed in the war, but they really don't know anything about when or where. The house is turned over to one of Clive's very close friends, the minister, um, Joseph Vaughn. And the series revolves around Joseph Vaughn's three daughters. Emily, the oldest, is the heroine of the first book. Then the second book, Uh, switches to the youngest and the final one is the middle sister interesting now why did you want to have three heroine sisters in this new series well because i've been fascinated with birth order and how it affects us i did my uh, westward winds series had three sisters but they didn't have the kind of interaction that the Vaughn girls do, nor did I play up the differences in birth order. But it's been so much fun. I mean, Emily's the oldest, and I'm an oldest child, so creating her was pretty easy. (laughs) But um, then the others have been fun because, of course, birth order does affect our personality. It affects the way we react to things, and it's been fun doing that. Did you do research on birth orders? Yeah. Um, I it, This all started with an article that I read like literally decades ago, but there's some great books out there. My favorite of which is another Ravel book. It's called The Birth Order Book by Kevin Lehman. Yes. And not only does is it chock full of information, but it is so witty. He has such a sense of humor that it's a fun read. In fact, one of the authors that I recommended it to called me up and said, I can't believe it. I laugh out loud reading this book. But it's also very, very insightful. It is. We were privileged to see him talk about the book in person at a conference, and he was hilarious. And uh, yeah, so I highly recommend that book. It makes you walk away 
kind of understanding a little bit more about your sibling's behavior and your own behavior too. It does. And um, he's written a series of other books. So we had birth order, but then there's another aspect to these three sisters, which is that they're part of a blended family. Wow. Um, Emily, the oldest, is not Joseph Vaughn's daughter. Her mother was married before, and she was a widow, and then she married Joseph. Joseph had a daughter of his own, Joanna, the middle sister. And then we have Louisa, the youngest. Louisa is the only one who is living with both of her both birth parents. So having this blended family makes, well, creates some conflict at times, mm-hmm. as you can imagine. Um, but it also makes it, from from my perspective, more interesting stories to tell. Oh, absolutely. There's definitely a lot of family dynamics going on there. Now, why did you call it Secrets of Sweetwater Crossing? Is that to make it more mysterious for the reader or make it intriguing to them? Well, again, like the cover, I'd like to take credit for that. (laughs) That was actually um, the marketing team at Ravel. I had been calling each of my series just by the name of the town. I mean, the one before this was the Mesquite Springs series. The one before that was Cimarron Creek. So I thought this was just going to be Sweetwater Crossing. And they said, we like secrets of Sweetwater Crossing. It's like, oh, so do I. (laughs) Which is why they're the marketing people. (laughs) I'm just the author. Well, it did intrigue me, and but there is a mystery subplot in this book, isn't there? And there are mis- there are secrets and well, secrets and mysteries in obviously all of the books. This one has a very actually very very difficult mystery about it because Emily, our heroine, returns home. She's a widow at this point. She comes back to. Sweetwater Crossing, because her husband has just been killed in a bar fight. Uh, Trust me, he's not a real good man. Mm -hmm. Um, She comes back knowing that her mother has recently died. The last thing she expects is finding her father hanging from a noose in the barn. Mm. Um, Everyone is convinced it's suicide. Everyone, that is, except Emily. She will not believe it. And no matter what anyone else says, she is determined to prove that her father did not kill himself. And so that's the underlying mystery. That is intriguing indeed. But you write historical romance. So why did you want to blend the mystery in with the historical romance? Well, there have always been somewhat suspense. I Uh, elements in my books Mm -hmm. and readers tell me they really like that it makes it gives it more depth um, makes it more interesting than just a pure romance Uh, while there's nothing wrong with a book that focuses only on the romance my readers have come to expect suspense elements from me that's great. How do you maintain that balance, though? Is that difficult? Do you find yourself maybe 
putting more romance than mystery? Actually, yeah, I'm not sure about that. It, it sort of depends on the story. Mm. What we have here is a heroine who is just come out of an abusive relation, an abusive marriage. So the last thing that Emily wants is to marry again. I mean, she won't even consider it. She'd rather not be in the same room as a man. So she's not looking for romance. Meanwhile, our hero, Craig, comes to Sweetwater Crossing as the new schoolmaster. He's a widower. He has just lost the love of his life. Uh, he has a young son. He needs to take care of his son. And so he leaves. His son was not handling the mother's death well at all. He kept having nightmares and... Craig realizes that no matter what anyone says, he's got to leave Galveston, which is where they lived. Mm -hmm. And so he comes to Sweetwater Crossing to give himself and his son a new start. But he has no intention of marrying again because nobody could ever replace Rachel, his, his wife. Well, it's a romance, so you can guess that <laughs> maybe, maybe, just maybe, Emily and Craig change their minds by the end of the book. But we'll have to read and find out, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Emily Leland, the eldest daughter. So did you make, when you write, wrote her character, did you make her, you know, the perfectionist, the one who has to take care of the younger sisters or? Oh, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. And um, well, the middle sister is not, you is not in this book because she is in Europe. She's a musician and she's studying there. The youngest sister is not happy with Emily because Emily comes back. I mean, she's been gone for over a year and Louisa has, has stayed in Sweetwater Crossing. So Louisa has had to take over a lot of responsibility for her parents. And when Emily comes back and suddenly starts making all the decisions, guess what? Louisa's not very happy about it. <laughs> In fact, she's so angry. She says, I'm leaving. You know, I'm just out of this place. You want to do this? Go ahead. But I'm not having any part of it. Wow. So there's that resentment and more conflict created there. That's great. So you mentioned that this is another series. When do you know as a writer that a series is done? I mean, do you stick with three books or do you go by when the store, all the characters have been satisfied, you know, the endings, the, the problems have been resolved in a satisfying way? Well, I write them as three books because that's what Ravel likes. <laughs> <laughs> um, they, they call the shots, right? <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Remember, they're the ones who are the experts on this. They're the ones who knew that Secrets of Sweetwater Crossing was a better mm -hmm. series name than just Sweetwater Crossing. <laughs> uh, they have discovered or learned over the years that trilogies sell well. But if you go beyond that, unless you're I Irene Hannon with her long-running series set on, on the Hope Harbor on the sure. Oregon coast. Sure. You lose readers. Three seems to be the perfect number. So I plan my books as three book series. Okay. 
I was always curious about that. So do you, in this series, do they, I'm sorry, revolve around the characters or is it the universe? You know, the, the land, is that the main focus, but the characters go in and out? Uh, they revolve around the characters. Okay. And there's a, a lot of interaction among the sisters. I mean, we have Emily in the first book and she's pretty much alone. But then Louisa comes back in the second book not intending to remain in Sweetwater Crossing, but she comes back. And of course, one thing leads to another and she stays. Mm -hmm. So now we've got the interaction between Emily and Louisa. And then for book three, Joanna returns from Europe. So we've got all three sisters together. Nice. And but you were, you were kind of hinting about the house, though. Is the house uh, a main focus as well? Well, the fact that they live in this house um, is because we've got the underlying or overarching mystery is what happened to Clive Finley, the man who okay. built this house. Ah. And readers don't get the answer to that question until the third book, nice. the end of the third book, <laughs> because that is the biggest secret of Sweetwater Crossing. So what is the, what do you hope? readers will gain from reading after the shadows ah well of course i hope they'll enjoy the romance mm -hmm. i hope that they will enjoy meeting my characters because they're flawed characters i mean they're certainly not perfect and i hope that on some level they'll be able to identify with the problems that my characters face because there are a number of them, and that when they get to the end, they'll go, they'll be smiling and saying, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Now I understand what happened to Emily's father, and they're rooting for Emily and Craig to have a happy ever, happily ever after. It seems like the theme of healing power of love is woven throughout your story. It is. Um, you know, I think about other themes, but when it comes right down to it, that's my favorite. And my books all tend to talk about the healing or to, to revolve around the healing power of love. So what can readers expect from you next? Well, the second book, yay, <laughs> which is called Against the Wind is coming out this October. Normally, readers have had to wait a year between releases for me, but Ravel asked if I could get the books written more quickly. So the second book, uh, Against the Wind, which is Louisa's story, is coming out um, early October. I think it's October 2nd. Oh. And then the third book, which is called Into the Starlight, will be out in July of 2024. Fantastic. That's great that readers won't have to wait as long. Seems to be a trend now that I'm seeing more authors release one to two books a year now. Yeah, it's great for readers. It can be challenging for authors. For a writer, yeah. <laughs> but I think that's great that Ravel really encourages you and helps you with your ideas and such. They're just an incredibly wonderful publisher. I can't say enough good things about them. 
Now, imagine you have a writer in front of you who might be struggling a little bit because he or she feels like they're not a success. They haven't hit the New York Times bestselling list or, you know, but how do you define success as a writer? If I've touched one reader, Mm. I have succeeded. I have gotten letters. I mean, yes, I'd love to be on the New York Times list. Yes, I'd love to win a Christie Award. But the real reason that I write is to touch readers. And when I've gotten emails from readers saying, you know, your story helped me through a really tough time in my life, or your story showed me what faith in God is all about and how it can change a person, then I've succeeded. And quite honestly, those emails, those letters are worth more than a royalty check or a position on the New York Times list. Wow. So it comes across as a calling for you. It is. Um, I write because I have to. (laughs) It's because that's who I am. I'm a writer. It's not what I do. It's who I am. And there is a big, big difference between that. That's true. And when things get tough and the stories maybe aren't coming as easily as they used to, because you trust in God that this is a calling, does that help you to turn to Him and rely upon Him? Oh, absolutely. I mean, each day I start by saying, show me the words that will touch my readers, that will deepen their faith. And your readers come. Yeah, right. And the words come. Seems like your readers are very precious to you. I love that. They are. They're the reason I write. I think that makes them feel so special to know that when they pick up one of your books, you've put them in the forefront of your mind. You wrote this story for them. Wow. That's just so meaningful. Amanda Cabot, I thank you so much for joining me today to talk about After the Shadows, this new series, The Secrets of Sweetwater Crossing. Wow. Ruth, thanks so much for inviting me to be here. Of course. And you can find out more about Amanda on social media. Can they sign up for your newsletter at your website? Absolutely. Oh, great. And that is amandacabot.com. And she's also on Facebook and Twitter. So be sure to visit her website and sign up for Amanda's newsletter so you can find out about the next releases in this brand new series. Thanks again, Amanda, for joining me today. Wasn't that great listening to Amanda Cabot talk about After the Shadows and her writing process and the encouragement that she has for you to keep going on this writing journey? I hope that you've been inspired. I know I have been. She's always an encouragement for me. So be sure you are going forward on your writing journey, trying to write something every day and taking it one step at a time. And until next time, God bless.